Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour Podcast. As always here, I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. And tonight, I'm joined by two guys who are fellow college football fans, one OSU and one OU fan, but uh, two other guys in the pickup hoops on Tuesday Night League. So, Jay and Kenny, welcome to the CGA Tour Podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, of course. Same here, man. Same here. I appreciate you uh, giving us the opportunity to do this. Yeah, of course. And if anyone's watching this on YouTube, uh, shout out to Kenny's background. That is that is one heck of a setup you got there. Love the Kobe, MJ, whole deal. Yeah, yeah. So it's sick. Well, we're we're gonna stick with uh, we're stick with college football here. Maybe talk some hoops some other time. Go over the terribly disappointing Oklahoma State game. Talk a little bit about OU West Virginia. And cover other some of the other matchups from this past weekend, um, as well as pick up some Heisman picks, and then also go and look forward to hopefully a rebound for Oklahoma State. But uh, OU hopefully, uh, at least in my mind, hopefully they lose every game. But we'll talk about the OU game this weekend too. So that being said. Kenny, I think you and I probably know here if we'd say better win or loss, the OK State or UCF. So, you know, I'm just going to ask Jay as the resident OU fan of the group. Jay, was it a was it a worse worse loss for uh, OSU or a better win for UCF? I think it's a better win for UCF. Uh, honestly, ever since uh, the OU game, they've actually been steadily in, uh, like being better, like every game. So, like two weeks ago, they lost by two to OU, and ever since then, they had their bye week. And then they just seem to uh, really get it going. So I won't be surprised throughout the rest of Big 12 uh, season that they uh, start winning more. I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be too surprised either. They're now one win away from making a bowl game. So they they had, I mean, of the three remaining games on schedule before they played OSU, they had, you know, OSU at home, at Texas Tech, and then Houston home. I would have thought, all right, for sure, they'll, you know, they'll lose to us because we just beat OU. And I say us fondly as the resident, you know, as the OSU guy. But uh, Kenny, do you disagree at all? I mean, they definitely looked really good, but I think OSU lost that game. I think it was their game to win, and they just shot themselves in the foot way too many times with those turnovers. I think they had four. And so, you know. Props to UCF for what they did do. You know, they ran away with it, but I still think OSU is probably the better team on the field. It just didn't show up on Saturday. There, there's a lot of me that really is curious why Ollie Gordon only had 12 carries. Of course, he wasn't having a lot of success, but at the end of the day, you give the guy, you keep giving the guy the ball, keep feeding him, he figured he'd score more. And a lot of that has to be said, too, of like you're not going to run the ball that much if you're down basically – 24-3 going into half, you're, you're 24-0 going into half, and you have to just score nonstop to try to stay in the game. It just hurts when your quarterback's the one turning the ball over all the time. And then you have to use the same guy to go back out there and really try to put him on him. I, the one thing I'd say, though, too, is that UCF, it's a great win because they put up 45 points, but OSU, it doesn't take us out of Big 12 championship, at least consideration. Got to win out, got to have another few things break goes way but it's not not a whole deal breaker i'd say right yeah i'd agree with that i mean you know they're still they still have a chance to get to the big 12 championship but you can't lose from here and you have to hope you know texas and ou you know maybe one slips by them yeah i think we're 
all weirdly enough right now Texas fans and just hope K-State loses due to the weird Big 12 tiebreaker rules. Of course, OSU went out. OU could win or lose. I don't think it necessarily matters because he's using the driver's seat right now. But the weird tiebreaker rules that I've been reading about where basically because OSU, K-State, and OU don't all play each other all together, there's some weird tiebreaker rules where right now, if everyone wins out as scheduled, OSU's not making the Big 12 championship. Now, I don't understand it all perfectly, but one would hope that, you know what, this wasn't the worst loss of OSU season, that, you know, basically the, the earlier loss of the season against South Alabama was the worst one, but that was not a conference game, too, which helps out a lot in the whole standings and the whole maybe we can make it to the, you know, make it to Arlington. Probably have our hearts broken, but who knows? You know, I'll be optimistic the week of. The weeks leading up to it, I will not be at all whatsoever, but the, the week of, I will no longer be skeptical. I'll be like, oh, we're winning it for sure. Because definitely that's, that's got to have the attitude on a J Jay, I want to ask you and in, in on this one with the OSU part of it though. Do, do you think, do you think OSU could make a big world championship and have a, have a fighting yeah. chance against Texas? If it's that, if it's them uh, against Texas, I think there's definitely a, uh, a little, I think teams are finally finding it out against their defense uh herman's got a lot of work to do because he's only won both his uh, games by three now past two weeks uh to a uh what two and six tcu team so like uh, i'm just saying there's definitely a, a formula that ou uh exposed and uh, other teams are using it so i do think osu would have a chance if they make it all the way there went out everybody not saying that they you know should go or anything, but <laughs> but yeah, they definitely have a chance if they played like they did against OU. For sure. All right, well, we'll go move on to, uh, unfortunately, talk about the OU game. But, of course, OU did beat West Virginia. It's been done before in the state of Oklahoma, but this was actually it was a home game for OU. You know, West Virginia just didn't look up to par. I'm not going to say that they haven't looked great the whole season because they've played some good games. They played, heck, they played Penn State really closely to open up the season. But come down the stretch here, they're not looking great. Kenny, what 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 do you think about that game? Was it better better win for OU or a worse loss for West Virginia? Uh, probably better win for OU. I mean, I I expected them to win. I did not expect West Virginia to be able to beat OU at all. And really, with the amount of points they put up, you can tell they definitely you know they were a little bit chip on their shoulder after that OSU game, and they they came out and got it back this week. Yeah, Jay, what were your takeaways from the game? Oh, Levy stopped throwing it side to side and and finally up and down. So uh, I am a Levy hater, uh, have been since year one. Uh, this is not just some kind of new niche thing that I've gotten in with the crowd. I said it when he was at UCF. I didn't like his you know schemes, his, his ideals on how to move the ball to score. Um, but yeah, that's just... My takeaways is that we find he finally calls a consistent game from one through four, looking downfield more than he trying to get jet sweeps, hand the ball off to a receiver, or or some kind of triple reverse after gaining sixty yards. Yeah, this is one of those to me where OU said, "Hey, you know what? We've got five and four star athletes on the field. West Virginia just does not. We're gonna just go ahead and just not try to win in any cute way, shape, or form." OU had the win probability percentage graph 100% towards them, basically from kickoff. Me in the first quarter, it just dips down all the way. OU's direction is the home team. 
and it never lets up. I mean, this is this is one where OU has a one turnover, and West Virginia has two, and the rest of the stats are nowhere close to each other except for time possession. You know, OU put up 600-plus yards against another decent Big 12 team that's currently going to a bowl game that has won four games in conference. And that's not... Like, that's not easy to do. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. It's just one of those where I think this was a great win for OU. It's, it's got to be a confidence builder going forward. It's got to be one of those where, all right, you got BYU this next week. You'd figure you'd roll over them as well and just keep just keep humming along. Probably a New Year's Six Bowl is, is probably still possible for OU at the end of the day, especially depending on how the Big 12 championship game goes for whoever makes it, right? Like, if OU's a two-loss conference team, and, you know, the, the conference champions a one loss, but makes the college football playoffs somehow, some way, then all of a sudden you could see, uh, see OU also in a New Year's Six with basically the other Big 12 team that's in the championship game having three losses almost no matter what. Yeah. As, as long as OU wins out, man, uh, they control their own destiny. Just like OSU, uh, I think Oklahoma right now is in a great position to uh, before they go uh, – to SEC to really uh, ball out for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I've uh, I've seen I've seen several different uh, tweets being sent my way today about hey, have you heard Brett Venables to AM and M? I've gone ah, uh, I don't know about that. But what I mean, what what do you guys think? You think there's any possibility in that rumor at all, or that's just fun kind of talk? I would see our uh, offensive coordinator Lebby go before. Uh, Venables, I think he likes it here too much. Uh, he has too much freedom here to do actually what he wants and build his own team. So I doubt he leaves OU for maybe five years or six. Yeah, I think it's too early. Like he's only been there a couple of years now. They're, they'll get rid of coordinators before they get rid of him. So I think he's there for a while longer for sure. Well, and in all fairness, too, I, the, the tweets that are being sent my way are, are fun things. They're not from any, like, Brett McMurphy or anything like that. But all of them are saying that Brett Venables will be hired away, not that OU would let him go, right? right. So that's one where I go, man, it, I, if you throw enough money at somebody, sure enough to leave, a.k.a. Lincoln Riley, but <laughs> never know. Um, it's kind of end out on the, the OU game. Just want to ask you, Jay. You've been following Dun Gabriel now for a while. This is his fifth year in college. Heck, he's almost at the Bo Nix record, but we'll talk about the Heisman Trophy race in a minute. Um, are, are, is this a is this a good OU quarterback? I mean, I'm not going to say he's great because you've had Heisman Trophy winners and also guys who go to the Heisman Trophy uh, ceremony at least multiple years in a row not too long ago. But where does Dylan Gabriel rank for you in like OU quarterbacks? Uh, I say he's kind of like a. a- Landry Jones type quarterback, consistent, uh, you know, not too many turnovers. Like, yeah, we've had some troubles past, you know, two weeks. But realistically, he's high completion, you know, low turnovers. But I don't think he's got that next step like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts when he, he he was here for the year he won. But I'm just I'm just saying like he's just kind of like the tier underneath pretty much. Gotcha. I, I think that's a really good way of putting it because he, he to me is not one that's going to win you a game, but he's definitely going to be a, he can be a factor in a win, but he's not going to be the Baker or the Jalen or the Kyler who just takes over a game. But at the end of the day, he can also just put up four, 400 plus yards, five TDs against a pretty solid big 12 team, West Virginia. They're not going to win the conference or anything, but they're not horrible. Um, all right. Well, with that being said, yeah. 
Yeah, great. Great point. Just take care of the ball and everything will be all right. Yeah, and he's been uh he's been doing he's been doing decent enough at that. I don't think he's been making any uh award ceremony hype just because he has lost two games for OU and that's not the norm. Right? OSU that'd be like, "Oh, he only lost two. That's great." You know, I mean, especially before Gundy came on came on board and uh recently OSU's expected to win 10 games, but not too long ago it was a little bit different. So now want to move away from the state of Oklahoma here, but just a little bit talk to you guys about what I thought was a really interesting at least Big Ten matchup. You got Michigan versus Penn State, two top 10 teams. Of course, Michigan's like number three. And the time you listen to this podcast, recorded on Monday night, November 13th. By the time you listen to this, the culture ball rankings will be out and it could have all shifted around. What, what were you guys' takeaways from the Michigan Penn State game? I mean, kind of re ask the better win or worse loss for uh, Michigan Penn State. Oh, definitely worse loss for Penn State. I, I will I will say they definitely could have done something more, especially with Hargrove not being on the sideline. Um, I think they had a chance for a while, but I think Michigan's defense is a lot better than their offense, and that's what they rely on. And that's what they did the first half before they started running away with it. So that's just my takeaway. Uh, I mean, eight passes from a, a quarterback on a ranked three team, you know, you just you – just, don't see that very often nowadays. Not not at all. Okay, what, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I agree with Jay. I think, you know, Penn State, they had a chance. You know, they kept it close, closer than I thought it would be for sure. But they just couldn't get over the hump. And Michigan, of course, wins it, you know. So, I think Penn State, you know, if you're, you're a fan of theirs, you're scratching your head like, why couldn't we get, you know, the lead and take this game away? Yeah, to me, this is a – I'm going to disagree with you guys a little bit. I think it's a better one for Michigan because this is a game where Penn State should have every single chance going for them. They come in. They don't have Harbaugh. It's at home. They have the wideout deal going. Like, you've got all this stuff going for you. And Michigan just – resiliently keeps keeps winning and I would also say if I'm Michigan I'm probably not stealing play calls right now you know this is probably the worst time to be cheating when you got all the turmoil going on but they're still somehow still able to win games when they you know I mean when Jay you said they attempt eight passes complete seven of them for 60 yards but we don't see college football games like this anymore especially from a major power five team that's I mean undefeated 10 and 0 granted they haven't played anyone but when they do play somebody and they go to their place and they, you know, they, they beat the Penn States, the world, we'll see how they do against Ohio state later on this year. But it, it, it's bizarre to me because so often I think of like the Michigan teams of, okay, you know, we always hear about Brady when I don't remember Brady playing for Michigan. I'm way too young for that. Like, <laughs> but I, I do remember, you know, seeing Michigan have different quarterbacks and different, you know, wide receivers. And that's how they're winning games, you know, under Harbaugh, and also before Harbaugh, when they had Rich Rodriguez and others as well on campus too coaching. So for me, this is just a weird, it's really weird to see a team score 24 points and have zero through the air and only complete eight passes. Like, doesn't Penn State just at some point go, okay, we just know you're only running the ball. We're not even going to, like, we'll put, we'll put one safety just on the 20, but other than that, you know, we'll try to run it. And Michigan was still super successful doing it, so... Yeah, not only successful, they're getting like 20, 30 yards plus before they get into the red zone where they took their time. Like, it was impressive to see that, uh, what do they call him, uh, his uh, 
I can't think of the caster's name, but he gave oh, Hollywood yeah. Brown his name. Uh, oh yeah, is it Gus? Was yeah, Gus? Yeah, and yeah, he was calling him uh, something the great, and he was running all over Penn State, like 20, 30 yards of carry, or like mm. every once in a while, like he just break out on like no play action, like attempts or any like trying to move the uh, linebackers back. He just was breaking out for massive chunks of yardage. Yeah, it's just such a weird deal too because several players, including the interim head coach, went and said, we did this for Harbaugh, which all due respect to those who have dealt with rough issues in the past, Harbaugh is dealing with like allegations of cheating scandals. Like it's it's yeah. not, it, this is just a weird, it's a weird storyline for ESPN to just be throwing out in our faces and also like Fox Sports, et cetera. Just, I mean, we're, we're not seeing this as like, oh, you know, Harbaugh, like, you know, unfortunately had a death in the family or, you know, just something like that. This is a, well, he may or may not have been part of some def, some things that definitely happened that aren't allowed to happen. Like, you can't have coaches go to other games, like, for sure. And we know that that happened. So, it's just such a such an odd deal when this many players and the interim head coach are like, we're doing it for him. I understand, like, yeah. hyping up your team and all that type of stuff of, hey, you know what? We're really going to get after there. And, you know, hey, guys, we're doing this for Harbaugh. He's not with us. But... Just just weird line to draw, I guess. Um, well, the the late game of the night on Saturday was Oregon versus USC. Again, two top twenty five matchups here that I want to talk about. We're can I ask you what was your takeaway here? Caleb Williams couldn't do it, you know, couldn't pull it off, but he really hasn't been able to of late. So, what was your takeaway from the Oregon USC game? That was exactly my takeaway. I was like, what is going on with USC? We thought, you know. Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, you know, you think offensive juggernaut, and they just haven't been able to get anything done. Now, credit to Oregon. Oregon's been playing very well. Bo Nix, you know, he's in Heisman talks and everything like that. But you just think about the fact that, like, you know, people were talking about USC, you know, going to the college football playoff, and here we are. And what is this, their third loss in a row? Fourth. Fourth? So, Mm -hmm. like – I don't know what's going on with them, man, but that ship is sinking fast. Yeah, I don't I don't get what's going on with USC. My my one big takeaway from the game is that USC was supposed to be better on defense this year. Like they got um oh gosh, I'm forgetting the middle linebacker's name for Oklahoma State. Oh, Mason Cobb. He transferred to USC. Mm-hmm. He's probably getting a lot big NIL money. There were several other defensive guys who transferred over to SC. Um, you know, Alex Grinch went over to USC. I don't think he's there anymore but there were other there are other reasons why USC was supposed to be better this year than just Caleb Williams like this wasn't like oh Caleb Williams runs back to Heisman and he has nothing no one else with him this was okay well he's got a good defense and great Oregon only scored 36 and some games they've scored 50 plus um, or at least close to it against Colorado for example but this is such an odd deal when you have transfers in they just end up looking worse and worse every week. Like, they don't build together as a team when you have the transfers. Instead, they just kind of decline at the end of the day. I don't know, Jay, is your vendetta against Lincoln Riley still there at all, or, or were you ever that big of a deal with him? I, I've never hated Lincoln Riley. I think he's a great offensive mind, one of the best. Even his little brother at TCU last year did really well um, before he moved over. I don't remember what college he moved to, but he they definitely have – he definitely has a great offensive mind. That's why most quarterbacks under him look Heisman caliber. Um, 
However, I think him as a head coach, I I just don't see any greatness. I don't see, you know, most of the teams that he's taken, both teams now that he's taken over have actually done worse or steadily declined. He's actually got the same record uh, from the previous coach at the same time. So I'm just saying, like, Lincoln, I believe he came up too fast, got the reins too fast on a, uh, two colleges, two great colleges, two, you know, power five colleges that everybody knows. Do you think it's because of his coaching style? Like him being a player's coach, you think, you know, like... Well, that's what made him great. Just take advantage of it, basically, yeah, I, is what I'm I trying have, to say, I have when no it comes to putting the work in. Yeah, uh, I mean, Caleb's still generational talent, still... But, like, you you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. It just seems that they've gone downhill no matter what, no matter who he's taken over. So, and the tax talks of him going to the NFL, too, like, I just don't see it anymore after, you know, the last two years. Maybe when he was offensive coordinator under Bob Stoops and Bob Stoops had that defensive mindset and he could just focus solely on, you know, let's win Big 12 championships and get beat out in the first round of playoffs. I, I could definitely see uh, a team kind of like how the Arizona Cardinals hired. Um, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? I'm blanking the, right now. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I could definitely see like an NFL team going. All right, you know what? We're gonna go ahead and draft Caleb Williams, and then Caleb goes. The only way I'm actually gonna sign with you and just say I was all behind closed doors is if you go ahead and hire, you know, Lincoln Riley. You hire my guy, and I, I could see something like that happening, especially with with what's going on, but. I just took a second here to look up like the defensive yards per game. USC is not the worst in the Pac-12. That's that's reserved for Stanford and Colorado, but they're not far off from the worst. They're allowing 446 yards a game. But the other team that is also allowing more than 400 yards a game is Washington. And I know they got Penix Jr. I know he's incredible. Maybe Washington has a bunch of other you know wide receivers and, and other guys that I just don't know a ton about, and they're playing with a really stacked roster. I just... I don't see why USC is so much worse than than their competition and the defensive part where they just really are not putting it together. This is kind of stop. You know, the funniest thing would be like to stop a nosebleed, right? Like they just, they, you know, you have that bend, but don't break mentality. It seems like USC is just breaking every chance they get. They're really not able to hold up. They're not able to hold a second half strongly together. And Colorado and Stanford's not a group you want to be in, but you're not too far off of Washington. Who's, arguably going to win the back 12 too. So it's just an odd, odd deal overall there. Not really sure I understand it myself. All right. Well, well, the next ranked matchup we had was, uh, well, it was down in Georgia. It was uh, close to the hedges. There is Georgia old miss where, Hey, we had a Spencer Sanders appearance, former Oklahoma state quarterback, Indeed. but it was not because that, uh, Jackson Dart was throwing it so well and almost was up so much. Instead, it was kind of the opposite reason where they were trying to get as many guys on the field some playing time, if I had to believe it. So, Kenny, I'll ask you here. Better win or worse loss for uh, Georgia and Ole Miss? Man, that's a tough one because it's like Georgia's one of those teams you just know they're going to win no matter what. They're, you know, they're. I like to say they're the new Alabama. Alabama's taking a little bit of a slide down. Not too much, just a little bit. But Georgia will beat anybody on the CFB landscape. That's just how it is right now. So I don't know which way I would go on that, to be honest, because, I mean, 
a, every week's a good win for Georgia. I mean, you know, they're winning. They're undefeated still. So, yeah, they have no letdowns. Jay, Jay what do you think from the game? I mean, Georgia's Georgia. They like to give you a heart attack in the first half, half of year. Their fans, like 14-14, you're looking at that. You're like, oh, okay, Ole Miss is, you know, pulling the old SEC trick where, you know, like it was Auburn and Alabama. Auburn would, you know, take a game away from Alabama. I was thinking, okay, it's going to be a good game. But uh, that Bowers kid, healthy, best tight end in the game. Great route runner, good blocker. Like, you can't, like – if you would give a Heisman to a like a, a catching like a tight end or a receiver, mm-hmm. he should be at the top of the list. Yeah, I think maybe if he had played the whole season and hadn't got injured, he'd actually be making somewhat of a consideration for maybe he could get, get that kind of like Namakasu, like Heisman Trophy ceremony, he at least attends it, you know, at the end of the day. Um I know I know there's quite a few guys that I could name off there. I know when 2020, there was a guy who made it in over Chuba Hubbard, at least at the ceremony. That was just absolutely in disbelief of, but he's an offensive guy. I still had that one close to my heart. But you guys know I was reciting the entire Bedlam record whenever I got the uh, football record thrown at me this past week. So <laughs> I memorized quite a few things to, to my detriment. Um, in, in my mind, like Georgia, this is just a better win. Like, uh, again, you, you're playing at home. You have Brock Bowers back, but you score 50-plus against against another SEC team that's top 10 in the country. How much more confidence can you get in yourselves? And also you hold Lane Kiffin and his offensive juggernaut kind of minded staff to 17 points. That's just not easy to do. Ole Miss on average scores way more than that every single game. It's, it's almost kind of funny how good George is. Like, like you said, Kenny, they are the new Alabama of just being superior in every facet of the game. And it almost doesn't matter who's back their quarterback. I mean, you got Stetson Bennett new. He got drafted in the NFL, but he didn't even get a college degree, but he was there for six years. And now I'm kind of roasting the guy a little bit. But point being is, like, he's not he's he's not the guy. Like, no one was looking at Stetson Bennett like, oh, he's Baker Mayfield type of guy who also walk on, also, you know, not really recruited at all, et cetera. No one's looking at Stetson Bennett going, oh, he's winning you games. You're instead looking at the Georgia defense, the Georgia team. And now Georgia puts a brand new quarterback in there. Carson Beck, first time really starting a bunch of games. And he looks like he's just taken over the reins. Hasn't lost a beat. Hasn't lost a step. So that was, uh, that was a great one for Georgia. They'll probably be, if I had to guess, they'll probably be ranked, uh, ranked number one on the college football rankings because Ohio State just didn't look the greatest ever. But then again, like they didn't play a top 25 team uh, this past week. So it gets a little bit to do with it there too. All right, well, well last one uh, we're talking about before we talk about uh, a little bit more of the next topic here is Washington versus Utah. So, Jay, I'll ask you, a better win or worse loss for one of those two? Oh, worse loss for Utah. A uh, seven-point game, that last interception, kind of just, they had a good drive going. I'll, I'll say, like, Washington, uh, that quarterback, he's a baller. He's dynamic he's got that little extra stuff he can make things happen even in close games like that you don't i won't you know bash utah utah's a good team they're you know 16th in the nation at the time and uh they were looking mighty and high after beating uc uh usc and uh i don't know it was it was a close game it was a real fun game to watch as a college football enjoyer oh yeah a lot of fun kenny what were your takeaways yeah, no, I'd say the same thing. I I thought Utah, you know, 
I thought they had a chance to close it out at the end. And then, like Jay said, that interception kind of killed that for him. But that, like you said, they were, you know, playing really well against USC. But now that we're looking more and more at USC, maybe that was just, you know, par for the course for that because it seems like they can't, uh, you know, win against anybody. Yeah, I guess we have all games on the template for uh, or excel on the slate for Saturday. This is one where I just didn't necessarily watch a lot of the game, but I do know that hey, Washington won. Michael Pennis Jr. threw for forty two threw it for forty two times, and they walked out with a win, which to me wasn't that. I think it's a worse loss for Utah almost because it just diminishes their ability to do anything in the cultural playoff picture, uh, but also in the near six bowls, et cetera, they had probably a really good chance to, you know, to beat Washington, but it's not necessarily like a great win for Washington. They're supposed to win They're home. They won by seven. So I don't, I'm kind of in between. Like, I don't know if it's a worse loss or a better winch because what, what was supposed to happen happened. So it's not really like either way. It's like, all right, you know what? We, we played the script out and it worked out just perfectly. So with that being said, I do want to ask you guys too. Who do you think the best undefeated team is right now? We've got a couple of them. You know, we've, hey, we've got Washington. Just talked about them here. You know, we've also, uh, we don't have, we don't have a big 12 team, but we have two big 10 teams. And heck, we've got an SEC team or two as well. So, or just one, excuse me. But still, what do you guys think the best undefeated team is right now? Georgia. It's plain and simple. I mean, like I said, they could literally play any college football team seven days in a row and they'd beat them every single time. It's just, they're a juggernaut now. What about you? Jay? Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I think Ohio state would, uh, they have the best receiving core over there with, uh, Marvin Harris jr. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's balling out. Like definitely, like I said, uh, days definitely got the defense rolling good. You know, he, can't really, you know, argue that Georgia is the best team in the country right now. But I think on any given day, Ohio State might give them their money's worth. And just because of Marvin, you know, that receiving for yeah, I just, I just don't see a lot of people guarding, you know, that that core at all. And any thoughts at all about Florida State? They played, they played LSU, so they had somewhat of a you know non-con schedule where they actually did play somebody. And you know, they played Duke, who at the time was 16th in the country. I know now it might have gone a little bit up and down from there. They don't really have anyone else on the schedule the rest of the year. You know, they, they just beat Miami this past weekend at home by seven. But they're also undefeated. I just want to throw their name in the hat here a little bit for discussion. Yeah, I mean, they're undefeated. I watched that Miami game. That my, uh, There's that number three kid on the little slot receiver from Miami that just absolutely like exposed their, their secondary. So like, I'm just, I'm not too high on Florida state. Like it was kind of like last year where, or was it two years ago where it was like the Notre Dame, Florida state game. Everybody was talking about Florida state, you know, and they had a real good game and then all of a sudden just fell off the face of the earth. I feel like they're just scraping away with wins from, you know, their nobody conference. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the same thing. But like, if they went out, they could make it to you know the playoff. But as soon that if they play somebody else, they they probably won't be doing much. I would feel. Yeah, I 
Cam side with you though. I think it's Georgia and just that's really just from looking at who they've played so far. I I don't think they I mean, Grant, they didn't play no one in the non conference schedule and they still get to play Georgia Tech later on this season. But for as far as like the SEC teams go, they I just think the SEC is tougher overall than the Big Ten. That's kind of where it lies at the end of the day. And Georgia versus Ohio State head to head. I would trust Georgia just to be able to shut down the playmaker for Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr., who probably should get some Heisman consideration over some other guys. But, you know, I'm kind of like probably like 60 40 there. Not truly, just at the end of the day, just loving Georgia. But then this Alabama game here on December 2nd, that'll be a real test to see what happens between Georgia and Alabama. That'll be one all circle for sure. Of course, as long as they both keep winning out and nothing, no hiccups until then. And we'll get to this whole uh, Tennessee-Georgia matchup here a little bit later on. That's coming up this weekend. But what I'll ask you guys about the Heisman playoff, or excuse me, Heisman race overall. Right now, we've got Bo Nix in like what is 20th year, Jay? 8th year in college football? Who knows how many he's at now? He's playing He's playing for the team now that he... Justin Herbert back in the day. That's gosh. how long he's mm-hmm. been in the... In the elite in the college, yeah, that was his first start was against him, right? So, and now he's at that school. Mm-hmm. I mean, where, where do you guys stand on it? Do you think, uh, you know, Bo Nix, he's currently the favorite if you're looking at FanDuel, he's minus 110. Then you got Penix Jr. and Jane Daniels, both at plus 370. And after then, it he comes a, comes a little funny, I'd say. You got Marvin Harrison Jr., of course, plus 600. We've seen a wide receiver win it in this in this decade, but then you got Carson Beck, Jalen Milrow, and Jordan Travis, and then really Jordan Travis and Jalen Milrow. I'm saying plus five thousand, plus six thousand. So really not in the realm right now. Something could change this weekend or two. But who do you think wins the Heisman? Let's say the season stops today. Is it Bo Nix? Does he come out of this looking like a you know shiny diamond after all these years? I'll have to disagree. I think Jaden Daniel, Daniels, after last week or this last weekend's uh, performance, 600 plus yards, you know, against Florida, usually a decent SEC team. I, I, I would say if it didn't go to Jaden Daniels right now, I would probably stop caring about who won Heisman after that. What do you think, Eddie? Yeah, I saw you had a good game this last weekend, but I would I would still say Penix. I mean, you know, I think with what he's been able to do at Washington, you know, they came out of nowhere. He's leading that charge. And, like, really, I wanted to say Harrison, but I know the odds of him winning it as a wide receiver are very slim. But just the fact that he's in that conversation tells you everything that you need to know. With all those quarterbacks, like, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also, uh, okay, we think alike here. I'm also picking Penix just because at the end of the day, he won the head-to-head matchup against Bo Nix. And, like, he's got some good guys, but I don't I don't know anyone else on the Washington offense, like a household name, or really the defensive staff either. And, great, they've also not played a really great schedule, but they've played mainly their conference. They did beat Tulsa, oddly enough, which I kind of forgot about earlier on the season. But besides their non-conference being... You know, one power five team, Michigan State, who now we can all see is just not good whatsoever. They don't, they don't really play anyone too good. And I wish the Heisman Trophy could be after the college football playoffs. Like, I wish you could have the Heisman, like, after that whole deal is over. Because I've seen seen the past where voters will send their stuff in even before 
the conference championship game, which to me is just absurd. Like, how how are you deciding stuff without seeing every single every single game that's going on? It's part of the reason why I think Devontae Smith, you know, won it is because guys were just spending their ballots because off of the purely the highlights early on the season. And at the end of the day, how many of these voters are staying up to watch Pac-12 after dark? They're seeing Oregon. They're seeing Washington. Really, they paid really close attention to Penix Jr. And I know FanDuel odds can just be kind of up and down. Who knows what it is? But minus versus plus, I'm not a betting guy. I just think that Penix Jr. should be the guy who's in the lead right now. I think he should be minus 110. He won the head-to-head matchup. You know, granted, it was at home, but still, it's a head-to-head matchup against Oregon. And they're not going to be able to play him again. You know, Pac-12 championship is North versus South. That's part of the old division deal where mm-hmm. I think we'd all love to see them play one more time in a neutral field. And unfortunately, we're going to be probably watching like, I don't know, Arizona at the end of the day, um, which good team, but hey, they already played Washington. So <laughs> it's just going to be a rematch at the end of the day, which won't be that much fun either. All right, well, well lastly here, do want to talk about this weekend's games. We'll end it out with the uh, Oklahoma State No U games, but until we... So we get to that, Utah versus Arizona. If you had to pick a win, win and loss, Kenny, I'll ask you first here. We're basically just doing top 25 matchups here. I'm going down the slate, but Utah versus Arizona, who you got? I'd probably go with Utah. I mean, I haven't heard much about Arizona this year, but I would assume that Utah is probably just the better team in that matchup. Oh, I agree. Utah, 100%. Yeah, you got uh, Utah playing at Arizona. Both have the exact same record in overall, but different Pac-12 you know, conference records. Utah's 18, Arizona's 21, and the AP poll. That's the list, most updated poll I can go with here. Recording this on Monday night. I, I also think it'll be Utah. I don't really get the um, really the hype behind Arizona, except for, oh, they beat Colorado and Deion Sanders this past weekend, which... Is that a good win? I don't I don't think it is. I mean, I'm just, I don't think I'm, it's an away game. You won by a field goal. And previously before that, you beat UCLA and Oregon State, Washington State, which are all ranked teams all in a row. But they've also lost to USC. So I'm not really sure where I stand on the whole Arizona deal. I just, uh, I think Utah's more physical. Different, different brand of football. I'm picking them, then with that, them to win that one. Excuse me. Then we've got Georgia at Tennessee. So this is actually like a top 25 matchup that probably everyone's tuning in for. College game day is not going to any of these any of these matchups this weekend, though. Oddly enough, they're going to a, a non-power five matchup. But, Jay, I'll ask you, Tennessee, Georgia, is it just Bulldogs all the way? I would love to see an upset from Josh Heupel and, the, and uh, Tennessee uh, Vols. But at the end of the day, it's Georgia. All, like, there's not much you can do. But... I'm secretly hoping Josh Heupel gets a nice little win here against the number one team. I agree with Jay on that. I think, you know, we've seen Tennessee kind of take a step up these last couple years as far as like their competitiveness in the league, but it's Georgia, you know, (laughs) that's all you can really say, right? Like they're too good to say otherwise. Yeah. So it's, it's gotta be George the end of the day. Kind of unfortunately, I'd say too. I would, I would rather it be like more of an up in the air. We could all try to think, oh, maybe, maybe Tennessee would stand a chance, but in a day like in Georgia, kind of rules all. Um, so tough, tough to pick against them for sure. All right. Well, then we've also got here rounding out the last top twenty-five matchup we're talking about: Washington versus Oregon State. What are you guys thinking? 
I'm going to go with Washington. Washington. Yeah. 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 I, I think there's a good consensus going, which is basically we're, we're all picking the favorites, but also it's already kind of like written down. I don't see why, you know, why it wouldn't be Washington winning at the end of the day. Uh, Oregon State, granted, they got him at, it's at Oregon State, but Washington's not too far of a drive, and they've been playing really, really lights out football so far. So, also picking them. But now we can at least talk about our own our own teams, which maybe know a little bit more about. Talk about that OU matchup against BYU this weekend. Is there any reason at all why BYU would stand a chance? Uh, I mean, they're on the bottom part of Big 12. I don't see them uh, putting much fight, but that's what I thought about UCF. I think Levy's finally back in the right direction, throwing the ball downfield, using a tight end, using. So I don't see much of a chance for BYU, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think, you know, BYU historically is one of those better programs. But as far as this year, I've been very disappointed by their performance in the Big 12 so far. So I don't really think, you know, there's a whole lot they're going to be able to do with what OU's bringing to the field on Saturday. Yeah, this is one of those where OU is, has to go to Provo, Utah, and they're still favored by 24 and a half. Like, it, it's, it shouldn't be close. BYU's won five games this season. They haven't beat anyone that I'm really high on at all. And OU should just basically just... It, it'd be weird if OU didn't cover in my mind. You know, I mean, BYU is, has beat Cincinnati and Texas Tech. And those are their two wins in conference. Now, they also beat Arkansas earlier on this year, but it's been a long time since then. And I just I don't see anything happening besides basically OU, OU going to Provo and walking out with a win. Um, only thing could be weird. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. So 11 a.m. kickoffs are 11 a.m. kickoffs are always weird on the West Coast. You know, you, you never know where you're gonna get. But you know what? I think uh, I think actually what'll happen is that OU will be a little bit more awake than BYU just because they'll be uh, a little bit a little bit later to them as they travel west. So I uh, unfortunately do also say I think OU wins. The last one here is OSU and hopefully a rebounding effort uh, against. Those darn, you know, unfortunately, uh, those darn Dana Holgerson Cougars uh, down in Houston. Kenny, what are you thinking here? Is there any chance that we should uh, give Houston a chance here? I'm not trying to jinx myself in back-to-back weeks. I want to say there's nothing to worry about. But after the performance last week, I am a little bit nervous, I will say. But I think that OSU goes in there and, they cover, they get it done, and, you know, I don't believe there should be any reason why they don't walk out of there with a W. But then again, I thought they were going to win against UCF last week, so I am a little bit nervous. Yeah, Jay, what are you thinking this one? Um, I <laughs> – they did keep in one score – of Texas four weeks ago. That's about the only game I see. Honestly, I think OSU just runs the ball, let Ollie go to work, and I think they will actually win this game. I I think so, too. I was trying to double-check here. What's the forecast for this weekend? Looks like in Houston they're not getting rain until Sunday, so maybe we can kind of keep those clouds at bay for a little bit. But the, the line here for OSU is it, it's just got to be a win. I mean, you got to bounce back after that horrible loss. 
UCF, the whole Ollie Gordon Heisman odds are completely out the window. You can't show up again and do that. You ran the ball 12 times, 25 yards against the worst rushing defense in the Big 12. And now you got to go to Houston, got to show up Dana Holkerson and those Houston Cougars. And the only thing for OSU that I can really end this one out is they can play Cougars in back to back weeks, Houston, then BYU. So, you know, it's kind of a funny mascot matchup there at the end. But Besides that, this should be one of those where OSU doesn't stumble, knock on wood a bunch, and uh, you know not walk under your ladders anytime this week because nothing's nothing's uh, nothing's for sure after that UCF loss. That's one that'll Definitely. that's one I'll stick around for a little while, and I'll also tell all OSU fans, you know, let's just not wear the orange white black combo ever again. <laughs> we lost to K State last year, kind of in the same fashion, except for this year we only scored three points in the. In the combo, which is better than nothing, but man, that was that was one of the tougher, tougher games to watch. And unfortunately, I did watch the entire game because I couldn't just couldn't look away. It was just uh, you know, it's just 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 hurtful at the end of the day. Um, you had to go get a couple of drinks after that one though, for sure. So, if anyone's curious, Fuzzy's now does margarita flights. So, <laughs> I can I can do the free free promo and advertising for them there. Um. Well, hey, thanks so much for you guys for, for joining on this episode. Any uh, shout-outs, last-minute thoughts here as we basically go into college football? What are we on week week 10, week 12? 11. 11. Gosh, I was wrong both ways. So, I don't know if that's going to be it. I'd just say uh, follow at the CGA Tour on Twitter and Instagram to try to build up the podcast a little bit more. Thank you guys again for joining. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it, Calvin. Yeah, thanks so much, and... Uh, See you guys tomorrow night basketball. Fingers crossed the weather holds out. So we'll be good. Kenny, stop scoring on me so much. All right. Got to give me a break. All right. My dad's asking me why I've got a swollen thumb. It's really tough. Oh, goodness. All right. That's my own fault. I stubbed my thumb on my own hand trying to intercept the pass. So I'm just not telling a lot of people that. So if you listen to the literally last 12 seconds of the podcast, you'd know the info, but who knows? So thanks again, guys. And we'll catch you again soon. Go, folks. Yeah. <laughs>